Our reading today is from John, the 14th chapter. Now Jesus said to the disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees her nor knows her. You know her because she abides with you, and she will be in you. And I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, who loves us with a transforming love. From our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. So this weekend, I found myself in the great metropolis of Strawberry Point, Iowa. I know, right? If you don't know where that is, I don't either, really, to be perfectly honest. It's somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, um, and it has the world's largest strawberry. You can see it, and you can take a picture with it, um, but I was there because a dear friend of mine was getting married, and because I was the baker for the wedding, that meant that I drove down on Friday afternoon so that I can get myself all ready and so that I can get up early to do the things that I needed to do for the wedding. But before I headed over to the venue from the retreat center where we were staying, I found myself with coffee in hand, sitting on the deck, looking out at the beautifully green vista of woods and fields. And I also was serenaded by birds, some whom song I had never heard before. And as I sat there listening to the birds and the wind and the morning noises from the people rustling around inside and the road noise that was not too far off, surrounded by the beauty of spring, I felt a deep sense of abiding with the world. And as I allowed the beauty and the serenity of the world to still my racing mind, because I had about five different lists going on in my head, the Spirit came alongside me. Or maybe I should say I was finally aware of her presence with me. And there was a peace and an assurance and a comfort it was, for me, a green pastures, still waters kind of moment. And clarity came in a way that it never had about what Jesus was talking about when he talked to his disciples about abiding in him. You see, I've always seen this passage as instruction that I need to keep God's commandment if I want to prove that I love Jesus 
I'm a doing and fixing kind of person, if you didn't know that about me. I love nothing more than to help someone. And if they have a problem for me to fix, it's even better. I'm like in my glory. If I'm not doing that, then I love to be working on some kind of project. If it has me moving, well, then I am one very happy Karen. However, I've learned as I've gotten older, the human soul and the human body can't always be doing. Sometimes it needs to simply be. Not the kind of simply being that actually looks more like a stupor because you've been doing for too long, but the intentional stillness and opening up of yourself to quiet and to peace, to being, to abiding. In this reading for today, Jesus says a lot. There is, as you know, if you were here last week, or these are the final words that Jesus will say before he dies. And in this beautiful moment of meal and prayer and teaching, Jesus is doing what he can to comfort and prepare his disciples for what is to come. And he does that by reminding them not of all the things they need to do, but of who he is and was and of what he promises, which is a life of abiding in him and God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, who here is characterized not by the dancing flames and howling winds of Pentecost that we'll hear in a couple of weeks, but as an advocate, or it can also be trans translated as a helper. But the literal translation of the Greek word means someone who comes alongside of. So often, we tend to grab onto this passage and make it about doing things. And I totally get it, because that's that, there's that little word right at the very beginning. Did you catch it? If. And when we hear if, we think conditional statement, because if is often followed by then. If you do this, then this will happen. The problem is, as Lutherans, we reject the if and then conditional statements, especially in cases like this, when if we read beyond those first couple of verses, we see that it's not conditional. So let's start with this one instead. You know the Spirit because she already abides with you. At the end of the paragraph that begins with, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, we're reminded that the Spirit of God, the Spirit that abides in Jesus, the Spirit that moved over the waters at creation, the Spirit who strengthens and comforts and sends us out, is already with us. So our typical interpretation of that first sentence, which often gets piled on, with the idea that Jesus will love us if and when we keep his commandments is not at all what Jesus is saying. That's easier to believe because humanity likes to be doers rather than beers, right? It's the whole value of productivity thing that we have going on. One theologian that I read this week said, keeping my commandments is important, 
but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing, Jesus says, is mutual indwelling, this intimate life together with God. Keeping commandments will follow, but love's symbiosis comes first, and everything flows from that wellspring. Our good works, then, don't earn our way into God's love. Rather, they're expressions of truly living with and in the God of love. And the Spirit is here to help us do that. The gift of the Spirit here in this part of John isn't meant to galvanize us into action, although that is one aspect of the Spirit. Instead, the Spirit is one who comes alongside us, sits with us, reminds us of God's love for us, already ours. I was talking about this image with a friend of mine and was reminded of a great Winnie the Pooh and Piglet moment. So I'd like to read that short story for you. I want you to close your eyes and imagine Piglet and Pooh sitting on a log. Like it's a pretty iconic picture. Today was a difficult day, said Pooh. There was a pause. Do you want to talk about it, said Piglet? No, said Pooh after a bit. No, I, I don't think I do. That's okay, said Piglet. And he came and sat beside his friend. What are you doing, said Pooh. Nothing really, said Piglet. Only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, continued Piglet, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there working through his head his difficult day, while the solid, reliable Piglet sat next to him, quietly swinging his little legs, he thought that his best friend had never been more right. This is a beautiful image of the spirit of truth that comes alongside us, sits with us, offers comfort and peace, not with words, but with her mere presence, letting us know that we are not alone, giving us the space and the time that we need to remember to remember that we are not forsaken and abandoned, that we have what we need, and that when we feel like we don't, well, God has given us the Spirit and surrounds us with community, provides us with rituals that strengthen our faith. And when we open our awareness to the Spirit of God, we find ourselves in the peaceful meadow and still waters that abiding in God provides for us. Dr. James Cone, who is a theologian and was the father of black liberation theology, provides us with a provocative definition of sin that speaks to this abiding and this being. He says, sin is a theological concept that describes separation from the source of being. Instead of affirming their identity in the source of being, sinners reject it and attempt to be what they are not. Sin is thus a definition of being in relation to non-being. It is a condition of estrangement 
from the source of meaning and purpose in the universe. Sin is thus a definition of being in relationship to non-being. It is a condition of estrangement from the source of meaning and purpose in the universe. I find this definition perhaps the most profound definition of sin I've heard, and it is so rich, especially in this conversation about abiding with God, of allowing ourselves to be aware that we are surrounded by God, that we as humans are in fact in God, not the other way around. We exist in a kind of God bubble. We cannot go anywhere without God being there. The idea that we somehow invite God in isn't wrong necessarily, but it gives us the impression that God is somewhere out there and we're somewhere over here. When in fact, we are in God all the time. So when we choose not to be in relationship with the source of all our being, the one who surrounds us, that is sin. That is separation. When we choose to not make time in our day to be still, to perhaps listen to the birds sing and the wind blow as the trucks go by on the road nearby and the people stir in the house, well, that is separating us from our very being. And we attempt to be who we are not because we have separated ourselves from the source of our being. We have not grounded ourselves in the God of love. So Jesus invites us into a relationship that is already happening. Jesus invites us to remember that God's love is already ours, as seen evidenced in him. That the Spirit already dwells in us before we do a single thing. And we are given everything we need to be fully who God created us to be, to live fully loved and known, because Jesus lives. In Acts 17, verse 28, Paul says it this way, In God we live and move and have our being. Paul was right on board with Jesus. For Paul, we abide in God in such a way that everything about ourselves is encompassed by God. We dwell and we abide in God. It is God's very being that we are created, and then we are made together into community. We do not do this abiding alone because Jesus is calling into being a new world where love grounds all things and moves all things into loving action. So Jesus also invites those that are gathered there that night and by extension us who are gathered here today into a new way of community. A community characterized by welcome and service. A community that lives surrounded and grounded in God's love that reminds us of the value of every single human life, no matter what they think or say or choose. A community that seeks the best life for all, who freely gives what they need for the sake of others. Because the reality is this is a way of life that is about hope. And no one person can possibly sustain such an incredible hope by themselves. 
Instead, we come to this place of welcome and love. We receive the sacraments which strengthen us. We are reminded that the Spirit comes alongside us just as Jesus came alongside the disciples on the road to Emmaus, just as those gathered here come alongside us. And we are comforted and challenged and reminded to abide and to serve for the sake of the world. Because Jesus lives, we live also. Amen and amen.